Brilliant. So good to, so good to be with you. Um, wasn't it? Wasn't it amazing just to worship and glorify God? Wasn't it so good just to be able to sing out how amazing He is? And it's it's so good to have so many of us together to do that. It's good to worship God on our own, but there's nothing quite like it when the saints saints get together. I'm I'm, I'm so excited for this morning. Um, we're starting a new preach series called Restored. Um, it's something that's been on my heart probably over the last six, seven months or so. I, I, I've been thinking as we come out of lockdown, with all of the different experiences we've had, no, no two experiences will have been the same, and all the challenges we've faced, some you'll have maybe found it not too bad, others of you it might have been the hardest 18 months of your life, what does it look like to come back together? What does it look like to, as it were, be restored, to, to rebuild together? But, but also, what does it look like for us as individuals to build our lives on the truth and the hope found in the gospel, in the, in the practical, in the everyday? And so, over the last six months, really, I've been thinking a lot about it, I've been praying, and, 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 and just got a sense for this series over the next nine weeks. I, I, my prayer is not that it's just a nice preach series, not that we really ever want to just do that, but, but there's something that you can grab hold of in it that affects your everyday. That, that we learn together what it is to grab hold of the gospel and build our lives upon it. Now, some of you have been doing that for years and years. Others of you, maybe you've only just started your Christian journey. Some of you may have been following Jesus for years and years, but actually there are some blockages or difficulties or things that you've, to be honest, if you're honest, struggled with for years and years. My, my hope, my prayer is that you have a fresh encounter with God that you have a fresh encounter with the truth of what has happened to you as a Christian and you find a new degree of freedom because of it. You see, just understanding it in your head isn't enough. We need to apply it. We need to build it into our lives. And so we're going to be putting that into practice this morning. So if you've come this morning thinking, brilliant, I can listen to Paul for 20, 25 minutes, maybe 30 minutes, then I'm going to go have my coffee, and uh, then I'm going to go home and uh, watch the Grand Prix if it's on, or whatever it might be. Sorry to disappoint you. I'm, I'm going to speak for a relatively short amount of time, and then you're going to get the joy and the privilege of doing a whole load of work. Are you? Well, you might not be up for it, but we're, we're, I'm going to lead you into it, and we'll see what happens, because... because the, the difference that the gospel makes in our lives is dependent on what we put, we put into practice. It's not, it's not how full my head is with information, it's actually how much of that information I know that I apply in the everyday. Does, does faith start to grab hold of the gospel do I get to work it out? And that's why we've called it, and it's, it's maybe a little bit of a provoking sort of subtitle, living your best life. Because in the end, we can only live our best lives if we're following Jesus, glorifying him, and putting the gospel to work in our lives. Isn't that true? There isn't, there isn't another way to live your best life. That There's lots of promises made, but they're hollow, and they don't stand the test of time. But when following Jesus, you find you can live your best life. 
as you're giving all to him. So I'm, I'm pretty excited about this series. I thought what Judy shared, that prophetic word about freedom and people being set free and a move of the Spirit, I absolutely believe that is true. I believe there will be times in worship and prayer where that happens. I also believe there will be times as the word of God is preached. And it's like lights come on in your head and you go, wow, it's an old truth. I've known it for years and years. I am now seeing it in a new way. Faith has grabbed hold of it. I don't know if you've ever had that. I've, I've had it on numbers of occasions where I've, I've read the same thing again and again and again and then suddenly I've understood it and it's like, wow, it's, it's, it's true. Not just here, but, but here in my heart. That, 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 that gap, that 12 inches. Anyway, I mustn't just rabbit on. I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to do something that I, I haven't I'm going to start on my notes and then I'm going to go on to the PowerPoint, I think. So we're going to be, we're going to be um, uh, preaching our way through over the next nine weeks. Um, obviously, connect groups and stuff, we're looking to follow uh, that through um, as well. And the, the intention is that each of the nine weeks we will be building on what has gone before. So if you're unable to be here one Sunday, please catch up online and listen to the preach because it's like steps. You know, you don't want to miss one, otherwise that next step is going to be incredibly difficult to get up. Does that make sense? Brilliant. I'm just going to dive in because I'm now just sort of a rabbiting on a little bit. If I asked the question, who are you, how would you answer it? Maybe you'd tell me what your name is. Maybe you tell me what you do during the day. Maybe, maybe you're a student or, 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 or maybe you're employed in a certain role. Um, maybe you would tell me something about what you like or you dislike. Who, who are you? If, if I chopped your arm off, I'm not going to, sorry, it sounds a bit aggressive, doesn't it? But would you still be you? If you had a heart transplant, would you still be you? What, what makes you, you? How, how, what, what is it that is going on in your head, even as I'm saying that, as you're looking to answer that question? Maybe I can ask a question and you can fill in a blank and that might help you to understand. So, little statement, two words, I want you to fill in the next word. I am dot, 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 dot. What would you put after that? What word best describes you? What's the, what's the biggest thought or the biggest feeling that controls your life? Maybe, maybe you would say, even on the back of, maybe on the back of um, the pandemic, you would say, I am, I am grieving. I am ashamed. Maybe you'd say, I am clever. <laughs> Excellent. I, I like a bit of positivity there. I'm poor. I'm depressed. I'm successful. What word would you put in there that would best describe you? I'm rejected, I'm self-sufficient, I'm loved, I'm a mother, I'm not, but that might be what you say. I'm struggling. How would you describe yourself? 
what word would you put in there? The Bible tells us who we are. Can we put the first PowerPoint up, please? Would that be all right? This is what the Bible says. It's familiar, but it's so important that we understand. It says that we as human beings, we are created in the image of God. First and foremost, that is something that we need to know. That's how the original intention was. God, God said this, Genesis 1.26. Then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness. We are created with a God-likeness. We are created to represent God. We have, as it were, the family likeness. And because of that, this brought three things in, in the original intention. It brought us security. It brought us significance. And it brought us acceptance. It brought us security in the fact that for Adam and Eve, and they were the first human beings ever created, they were totally, totally secure. God promised he would provide everything that they needed. Not a thing that they needed that God would not provide. They were significant. Why? Well, for starters, they were created in the likeness of God. You you can't get more significant than that. Not only that, they were created to glorify God. That's their very purpose for being there, was for the glory of God. And they were totally accepted by him. Imagine that, the creator of the whole universe, and he accepts you. He will never reject you, he will never turn you away. That was the original intention. That's how it was designed to be. And as human beings, we are created with those holes within us. That need for security, that need for significance, that need for acceptance, that's, that's just part of how we've been put together by God. That was the original intention. So who am I? Well, I am created, you are created, every single one of you in the image of God. And that in itself is pretty amazing. It's not, it's not based on your abilities, it's not based on your intelligence, it's not based on a a certain um, ethnicity or sexuality, just human beings have a value from God because they are created in the likeness of God. And God met all of their needs. That's how he designed it. Now I know many of you, many, many, many of you are very well schooled and we know it didn't stay like that. We know things went wrong, didn't they? If we can pop the next slide up. Brilliant. Do you like the graphics designed by myself? I think they are rather good. Um, anyway, so we, we know, don't we, sin entered. We know that sin entered the world and that relationship with God got lost. It got destroyed. It got tainted. In actual fact, death followed because of that. Spiritually, they were separated from God and they died and later physically they would die as well. And sin became the controlling influence of their lives. It it tainted, it saturated. It saturated their whole identity. That's, That's what happened. 
And ever since, every single human being that has been born since Adam and Eve has been born physically alive, but spiritually we are separated from God. We are alienated from him. The Bible actually says we are God's enemies. So even those cute little babies that are born are born dead in sin. That's what the Bible says. We are born separated from God. And that acceptance, do you remember I said Adam and Eve were totally accepted? That acceptance got replaced by rejection. Why? Well, actually, because they'd been rejected by God. They chose to go their own way. They knew if they did so, it would lead to death, but they chose to anyway, Adam and Eve, and that acceptance was replaced by rejection. Significance was lost. Why? Because because sinful people cannot live for the glory of God. And, And that's why we're created as human beings, is to glorify God. So we can't do that. And security turns to fear. God had promised in the garden to provide everything that we would ever need. But when Adam and Eve and humanity chose to go it alone, they had to provide for themselves. In a broken world that doesn't work right. And so acceptance, significance and security, these things were lost. And we're going we're gonna to hear a lot about these over this series because they're such key things for us. And so human beings ever since... Me, you, outside of God, have tried to fill it, fill it with other things. Looking for acceptance in people or relationships. Looking for significance in what we do. Looking for security and maybe to control our environment. It's the biggest catastrophe that ever happened for humanity was when Adam and Eve sinned and death entered and sin became the controlling influence of their lives and it saturated, permeated their identity. Who are they? Well, the Bible gives, gives humanity a nickname. It calls them sinners. So outside of God, every single person is born in sin and is a sinner. You may, you may find that incredibly offensive. I'm sorry if, if you do, but it's what the Bible says. It's very, very clear. Without God, outside of God, no hope. Go for the next slide, please. But we know, don't we? We know that it didn't stay that way. Jesus came. It says, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Humanity rejected God and the consequence was death and separation from God. God cares about us so much that he came to reverse it. He sent Jesus Christ. What does it say in 2 Corinthians 5.17? This is an incredible verse. I mean, this is one, this is one just to ponder all week. Do you mean just think it through a bit? Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, in other words, that's, that's a certain way the Bible would describe, if anyone is a Christian, what has happened? The new creation has come, the old has gone, and the new is here. You see, the problem with sin is, 
it separated people from God. So the solution has to be that people and God get back together, but we can't find a way back to God. We need God to do it for us. And that's what he did in sending Jesus Christ. Jesus came that our sins might be forgiven, that we might be restored in our relationship with God. And at that point as a Christian, whether you were five years old or 95 years old, do you know what? You didn't just have your sins forgiven, your whole identity changed. Who you are as a person, a radical transformation took place. The Bible in John 3, Jesus says, you know, you can't be a Christian unless you are, what does he say? You've got to be born, born. You've got to be born again. And if you're not born again, you're not a Christian, you're still dead in your sin. But if you've been born again, your relationship with God has been restored. The access way is open. You are a, what's it say up there? You were a sinner, very good, but but you're not anymore, you know, are you? You are now a, you're a new creation. You're a new creation. The old has gone, and what has happened? The The new has come. My identity and your identity has fundamentally changed. What did I say? I said before that sin permeated your your whole identity and your heart. When you become a Christian, the power of sin is broken in your life. You have died to the power of sin. You have been raised in Christ to a new life. So as you're sat here, you may not feel very new at all. In actual fact, you may feel decidedly old. But you are a new creation in Jesus Christ. That is true. You may not even believe me, but if you're a Christian, it is still true and you have access to God. You know, I said that before the Bible gave a nickname to those outside of Christ. It's sinners. That word is never, ever used of Christians. It's used 300 times in the New Testament, in the second half of the Bible. 300 times. Never once is it used of anyone who's a Christian. Isn't. It's always used of those who are outside of Jesus. You are not a sinner. You're not even a forgiven sinner if you are a Christian here. You are, and there's a new nickname that you get in the Bible, and it's used over 200 times in the New Testament. You are a saint. Now, I know so many of you know this stuff, but you don't know it as you should. Now, that's quite a bold statement. And the reason I can say it is because I know that I don't know it as I should. And even as I'm prepping and I'm reading and I've been thinking about these things for six months, stuff that I've known for 20 years, it's like lights popping on. You know, like in a cartoon where they have a a thought and there's that thing, lights come on, I no, no. See, you here right now, you're a saint. Why don't you just turn to the person next to you and say, hello, saints, and then you can put their name after. (laughs) Saint Sam. (laughs) That acceptance, that security... That significance restored because of what Jesus Christ has done for you. Your identity changed. 
There's lots of stuff spoken about identity, who we are. But in the end, when it gets down to the Bible, there are two different identities. You're either in Christ or you're outside of him. You're either a saint or you're a sinner. And whichever one you are permeates everything else. You know, when I said, who are you? Or I am. And you put in lots of different words there. They're very real things. In, in some instances, incredibly heartbreaking things. They are struggles and they can be battles. But underpinning that, the big question is, are you a saint or are you a sinner? And you cannot be both. You are either one or the other. Now, many of us struggle with that, don't we? I do. And we may struggle with it for a number of reasons, a couple of reasons I'll name. One is it might be just because you still sin, don't you? Well, I hope it's not just me. <laughs> Otherwise, we'll get all of you up here and I'll sit down there and you can finish this off. But, but reality is, don't you? Don't, don't you mess up? And, and, and doesn't that play out in your head? How, how can I be a holy one? How can I be a saint if I still sin? And so we get caught in the mindset, don't we, of thinking, well, I know I'm forgiven because the Bible tells me I'm forgiven, but, but I'm really just a forgiven sinner. Nothing fundamentally has changed because if it had, I wouldn't continue to sin. But, but the Bible's very clear that this, this side of heaven, as it were, we're going to continue to make mistakes. We are a holy people. We are set apart for God. But you will mess up and I will mess up. And, and that's, it's not all right, but it is all right. You see, when you sin, who you are doesn't change. If you can pop the next slide up. When you sin, who you are doesn't change. Can you, can you see that you've got Adam and Eve on the far left? This is, I'm not certain they look quite look like that, but that was my best guess. When they sinned, they were separated from God. In Jesus Christ, we are restored to our relationship with him, which is wonderful. But when we sin, our identity, our position does not change. You're still a saint. You are still a holy one. You are still accepted by God. You are significant to him. You are secure in his hands. There are industrial-sized promises in the word of God that we really need to build our lives upon. There are. As a, as a pastor, one of the privileges I have is to walk through some of the darkest moments that people go through and I realise as I do that, that the promises in the word of God are true and they are stronger and they are deeper and they are richer than whatever problems that they are facing. I know they are. Nothing can separate you from the love of God. It says that at the end of Romans 8. Look at all the things that can go wrong. Even then, nothing can. That he's got purposes and he's got plans for you that his purposes for you are good. Even the worst things in life, God can somehow, and I don't understand it, weave his goodness into them and out of them for your good and for his glory. We have within us, even as Christians, holes in us where we need acceptance, 
security and significance. And when you came in, you got this sheet of paper with restored at the top. It's taken out of Freedom in Christ. Um, absolutely brilliant material. It's uh, just printed out from there. The truth is, however well I preach this morning, I can't do it for you. There's a bit you have to do yourself. I, I can't do it for you. I can't believe this truth for you, only you can believe it. I can't renounce lies that, I've, that you've been believing on your behalf, only you can do it. I can't proclaim truth on your behalf, only you can do it. I remember I was reading a story in a book, and then we, I'm going to close, and I'm going to encourage you to do a bit of work. I was reading a story in a book, and there was a young lady, she'd been a Christian for five years, and she felt God say to her, I want you to know how much I love you. This is God speaking to her. I want you to know how much I love you. And she, she said, but how do I know that? How, how, how can I find out how much you love me? And she felt God say is, you need to believe it is so. She, he, God said, you need to believe it is so. You need to believe what I have said. And then this is what it said, or this is what she said. And she said, so I did. And she'd had a whole load of insecurities. She felt very insecure going into meetings and groups of people. And over time, this was transformed because she believed what the word of God said. She trusted. Now, you're, you're, you're thinking, have I missed what Paul's saying here? Because it, if I'm understanding it, that's very, very simple. But I think it really is very simple. It's a bit like Tower Bridge. You know Tower Bridge in London? That when the boats go through, two halves of the bridge lift up. One half going one way, one half going the other. God has given us incredible promises for us to believe. That is his half of Tower Bridge going down. But for us to access them, in faith we need to drop our half of Tower Bridge and then we find the experience of God's love or the experience of God's forgiveness or the experience of God's acceptance coming across as we believe what God has plainly communicated in his word. It's an issue of faith. It's an issue of believing what God has said. Now what I'm going to just invite you to do for a few moments is just have a look at this handout. If, if you haven't got one, wave your arm in the air and our stewards are on. There's a few at the back over here. Can we, uh, as quick as we can, hand them out? That would be brilliant. I'd really like you just to start, just have a start having a look through. Keep your hand in the air until you get one. So just have a start having a look through. Just have a, a read through. There's some truths listed under the fact that you are accepted because you're in Christ. There are some truths listed there because you are secure in Christ. 
There are some truths there because you are significant because of what Jesus Christ has done for you. Just have a look through. I'm sure for many of you, you're very, very familiar with these things. But these are like swords. They're things you can, you can pick up and you can use to kill lies and fears and things that you've been believing. Now, no one ever fought a battle sat on their bottoms, did they? So I'm going to ask you all to stand up. And what I'm going to do for you is I just want to model how I would handle some of, something of this. So if you look at the top, it, it says something like, I am accepted. I renounce the lie that I am rejected. I am unloved or shameful. In Christ, I am accepted. Now, I've just prayed that out, but I can't do it for you. But you can do it. And what I want to invite you to do, and it's going to put you out of your comfort zone, but I, I want to encourage you to, if, if particularly the whole area of rejection, you're feeling unloved, you're feeling full of shame, you can renounce that life. You are a Christian because that is not part of your identity. And you can proclaim the truth that Christ has accepted you and forever will accept you because that's what Jesus Christ came to do. So I'm going to speak it out. If you want to join me, you can. And then I'm just going to pull out some of the verses that are a little bit lower down. So, because I am in Jesus, I am accepted. And I renounce the lie that I am rejected, unloved or shameful in Christ I am accepted. Now, this feels really odd doing it all together, but it's really powerful to do. Not just because you're saying it, if you're believing what God has done for you. Let, let's try another one. Let's try the insecure one. I renounce the lie that I am guilty, unprotected, alone, or abandoned. Pause, pause. That's big things. Do you feel, any of you feel alone? Do any of you feel abandoned? I, I would imagine quite a number of you do. Any of you feel guilty? A weight of guilt that's followed you for years. If you're, in Jesus, if you're in Christ, if you're a Christian, that is not part of your identity. In Christ, you are, 
you got the right word, but definitely didn't get the right emphasis. So in Christ, we are? I am significant. I renounce the lie that I am worthless, inadequate, helpless, or hopeless. In Christ, I am significant. Now, these are big things. These are things you might need to come back to every day. These are things you might need to come back to multiple times a day.